Well, things were just not right. It's not the way it was supposed to be, not the way it was drawn up and planned, not the way that people thought it was going to turn out. <clears throat> long, long gone were the good old days, the glory days, the days of King David and King Solomon. Those, those were fat festival days. But now, the kingdom was divided, Israel was defeated, much of Judea had been already taken off as slaves into Babylon. And now, after the assassination of the Babylonian-appointed territorial governor, word had reached that occupation troops were on their way. The streets were already filled with the mourning of widows, wives and mothers bereft over the loss of their sons and husbands. Homes were abandoned, shops were boarded up. The streets, the walls, the gates were in disrepair. It was a shambles, and it was about to get much worse. Into this moment of despair and defeat and hopelessness, the prophet Jeremiah spoke a word to people for whom the lights were about to go out. The prophet Jeremiah offers words of both memory and hope. Our reading comes today from his book, Jeremiah, from the 23rd chapter. Let us listen for God's word to us. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but instead they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. And then they will live in their own land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. You do bless us in the reading and hearing of your sacred word. We pray it finds its home in our hearts this day. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon me to guide my thoughts and remove from my lips any words but your own. That with faithfulness and with integrity, I may proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. So today, as Mark said, is the first Sunday of Advent. First Sunday of Advent always seems to get short shrift. It's kind of wedged right between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And, and somehow it's just kind of, it's almost like a place marker, but 
In many ways, that is true for the whole season of Advent. Advent, in many ways, seems to be that territory you just have to get through between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we as a culture have done our best to condense that time and to get through it as quickly as possible. How many people put their Christmas tree up this weekend? We did. It's becoming more and more common to thank, once the Thanksgiving dinner is, is served and the plates are washed, immediately we start decorating for Christmas. Look at our church. We, we're not totally there, but we already started to put the, the Christmas decorations out. It seems like we're in this constant race to go from one holiday to the next. But I want to suggest that there is value in the season of Advent, in those weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. In fact, that time, those precious moments of Advent, in many ways are a model for our own lives because in reality, we all live each and every day of our lives having come from somewhere and going somewhere else. We live between what has been and what shall be. We live between here and there. And that's why our theme for this Advent is Maranatha. Maranatha is a wonderful word. Maranatha is an Aramaic word. It's found only once in the scriptures. And it, like, like many of its uh, the Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and Scripture, it does not have a direct translation to English. There are a lot of words in the Bible where there is no direct translation. Maranatha is one of them. <clears throat> Maranatha means both the Lord has come and come Lord. It has a sense of looking back to what has been and a sense of looking forward to what shall be. It's a perfect word for Advent because in Advent... We look forward, we remember, or excuse me, we, we remember, we look back at what God did for us in Christ, sending his son into the world, born as a vulnerable infant in the stable. And yet we also look forward to the second coming of our Lord, to the final consummation of the kingdom, where God will instill justice and righteousness and all will be made right. Maranatha, the Lord has come and the Lord is coming. We look back and we look forward. It's that tension that we live in in Advent and the tension we live in in our own lives. During this Advent season, we're going to uh, explore that tension and we're going to celebrate the faith that we have as we take that journey from here to there. Today I want to talk about memory and hope. Living between memory and hope was the name of the speech that Elie Wiesel gave when he accepted his Nobel Peace Prize in 1986. <clears throat> that year, in his speech, he talked about his experience <clears throat> as a child of being incarcerated in a Nazi concentration camp. And he talked about how one of the things that the Nazis tried to do was take away their sense of identity. 
They didn't want them to remember who they were. So they stripped them of all their clothing, took all their belongings. They tattooed numbers. They were no longer referred to by a name. Now they were just a prisoner number, such and such. And they were instructed to refer to each other, not by their names, but by their prison numbers. They were separated from families, separated from national groups. They were placed in barracks in a random array so that hopefully they did not know who they were sharing a bunk with and oftentimes couldn't even speak the same language. They tried to break them down by stripping them of any memories. They forbid them to have worship services, to read the Torah, to tell their sacred stories. They wanted them to be immersed in their present suffering. Otherwise, El says that it was the stench, the constant stench coming out of the furnaces that had the effect of quenching any hope they might have. There was no escape. There was no past. There was no future. There was only the now. But he says it was in the midst of that suffering that they did tell their stories. That in small gatherings, in the back behind buildings, sometimes inside latrines, sometimes in the back corner of the bunkhouse, wherever they could have a moment or two, they would recite the Shema, and they would tell the stories of who they were as the people of God, and they would encourage each other by reminding each other of God's covenant promises to them. And they would say their fervent prayers that the Messiah would come to redeem them. Eliezer says, it was the memory of what God had done for them that gave them the strength to survive the present. And it was the hope for the coming Messiah that gave them, that gave them the courage to endure their hardship. Now, few of us know that experience. Few of us have any clue of that kind of suffering. And yet I do believe that it is both our memory of what has been and our hope for what shall be that provide the pillars that lift us up and give us both the strength and the courage for the living of our days. It's not always easy living in this tension between memory and hope. But yet, this is where we find ourselves. I was thinking about this wonderful ministry we have here called The Gathering and New Beginnings. Ministry for people with dementia and Alzheimer's and their family and, and caregivers every Tuesday and Thursday. Dementia is a horrible illness. Part of what makes it so difficult is that it strips the person of both memory and hope. And without those two pillars, they have nothing to provide them courage, encouragement, or strength. I think we are also seeing examples of this in what's going on in Ferguson today. Some of you know that I grew up in that area. 
grew up in Florissant, which is right next, it was the Ferguson Florissant School District. Many of my friends lived there and still live there in Ferguson. And for 10 years, my wife and I co-pastored a church in that area back in the 90s. During that time, there were strong racial tensions as well. It's a very segregated community. And during the 90s, Dr. Rance Thomas, um, he's an African-American professor of criminal justice at Southern Illinois University. He was a member of our, our congregation. And out of our church's peacemaking committee, we formed a community organization called North County Churches Uniting for Racial Harmony. And Rance and I got 60 churches in the area together in the 90s to work on overcoming the racial barriers and tensions that so divided that community. We held joint worship services and choir exchanges and potluck suppers and mission projects. And we hosted the very first Martin Luther King Day celebration in the area. We had whites and blacks coming together, forming friendships and finding mutual concerns about the community that they could work on together. It was our hope back then that by starting that work, we could avoid what's happened this past year in Ferguson. I think part, there are a lot of lessons to be learned from what's going on. There are specific lessons for white Americans to learn from this. And there are some lessons for black Americans to learn from this. And there are some lessons that we all need to learn together from this. But I want you to understand that a lot of what's going on in there is an expression of the difficulty and the tension of living between memory and hope. On the one hand, there is the memory of slavery and the inhumanity and the cruelty experienced by generation after generation. There's also the memory of, of that great proclamation that all men are created equal, and the Emancipation Proclamation, and we just celebrated here in Austin the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Civil Rights Bill. And yet we know that it is still not what it should be. There is still prejudice and injustice and inhumanity in everyday living in our lives, in Ferguson and around the world, even here in Westlake Hills. There is also hope. There is also hope for the future because Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream is still alive in the hearts of all people that one day little black children and little white children will sit together in schools and in churches and in playgrounds and they will not be judged by the color of their skin. And that hope is alive and well. And what we're seeing in Ferguson is the messy living out of that tension between what was and what shall be and how it comes to fruition. Now, on your TV screens, you're seeing rooting and, and rioting and violence and burning, and it's a mess. What you're not seeing are things like the fact that this morning there are literally hundreds if not thousands of black and white Christians in Ferguson gathering at the Ferguson Civic Center for a combined worship service. A number of churches in that area are not having worship in their own churches. They are sending everybody to this service in Ferguson. 
to be a source of support and encouragement and hope for a better tomorrow without the violence and without the bloodshed. That's not going to make the news. You're not going to see any of that. You're not going to see the hundreds, thousands of small acts of kindness, small acts of reconciliation, small acts of mercy that are being done between individuals in the streets of Ferguson each and every day. That's not what any of the news shows are going are to uh, put out there. But it is happening. I think that's an example of the struggles we all have in our lives. The unredeemed, the unfulfilled, the unsanctified. We have memories of what God has done for us. And at Christmas, we celebrate God sending his son into the world, and yet we know there is still so much work to be done. We live in the tension between our memories and our hope. This Advent season, I want to encourage you to think about the memories of God that you have that provide you with strength and comfort and the hopes that God has given to you of a redeemed and sanctified future and how you draw strength and courage for living in these Advent days somewhere along the way between our memories and our hopes. Amen.